0: I'm chef Pete Gagan from Cargill, and we're in the kitchen with Sterling Silver Premium Meats. It's a podcast where we'll be serving up insights and perspectives for chefs and food service professionals. And of course, we'll be digging into the world of premium beef, because even with over 30 years of culinary experience, I still have an appetite for learning more. I hope you're hungry too. We're coming to you from the Cargill Innovation Center in Wichita, Kansas. And today, we're beginning a special 10-part series dedicated to beef primals. Over the course of the next several episodes, we'll dive into the specifics of all the different beef parts. Where they come from, what cuts are contained within each primal, interesting facts and common uses, along with some traditional and unique ways chefs and cooks can utilize all these amazing cuts. So welcome into the kitchen. I'm thrilled to have you here. We're launching the series with the Chuck Primal. The chuck primal is a great versatile section of meat that gives us cuts like the chuck eye roll, chuck flat, chuck short ribs, clod heart, and so many other great cuts of meat. To give you some idea of where the primal is located, it is essentially the shoulder section of the cow. To start, let's get a little rundown of the characteristics of the meat that comes from this area. So you tend to have a little bit more of a higher fat content. Remember the chuck, when you think of that as a grind, it's a 80-20, right? 80% lean, 20% fat. That more or less goes off of the percentage of fat to lean in that primal. That's how they get to that. Now, there are sections that are leaner, some that are fatter, but overall average is around that 80-20. In most cases, it's a little less expensive than other cuts on the animal. Your center cuts, your tenderloins, your ribeyes and all that, they fetch the highest price, but then you get to the chuck end here and there's definitely some more economical, sections that you can use great connective tissue going on so that gives you an amazing mouth feel especially when you're braising these products uh, and of course fat's got flavor so there's tons of that flavor really uh, good beefy flavor there's uh, muscles up there are being used a lot so they tend to have a lot of motion and and there's also a lot of blood flow in there so that really gives you a little bit more of that irony flavor that you can get which gives, really, a beefier taste. And again, there's things you need to do to a lot of these cuts to make them uh, really, really, uh, I guess, flavorful and texturally appealing, Um, but it's not that hard. And like I said, we'll get into it as we talk about each one of those subprimals. Okay, so let's just get into the cuts. I mean, again, there's plenty that's going on. It, It is a larger portion of the animal. Probably one of the most famous parts of that would be the overall chuck roll. You know, you're talking, in a lot of cases, they call it the square-cut chuck. So here's this big, massive piece of meat with the bones and everything. I mean, before it's clean, I'm going to guess it's probably 35, 40 pounds or so. But then you tend to take off a lot of the, the gnarly stuff on the outside there, and they square it off. And In most cases you're going with a boneless chuck. You might see in retail, especially where they keep the bone in at times um, One of the most popular pieces you're going to get from that would be a a seven bone chuck steak And the reason why they call it that is just the way that the uh, the bone looks In that piece of meat it looks like the number seven But in in most places you're going to see a chuck being boneless, so you remove that bone And now you've got this piece, I'm going to say average 20 pounds, 25 pounds. And there's multiple muscles going on in that. And and you're going to have, oh, let's see. Off of this piece of meat, you have so many options, so many things you can do with it. If you want to keep it whole and smoke it, go for it. It's amazing. Takes a really long time for that whole big piece to cook. But if you wanted to, you can break it down into, like, say, quarters and still get the same results. Actually, pick up a little more smoke because now you have more surface area. That's how I like to do it. But you can cut massive steaks off of there. You can uh, braise them, again, making them smaller, whether you're cutting them into uh, quarter-piece chunks or maybe, you know, two-inch slab steaks that are going across and searing those, smoking those, Braising them. Um, there's so many different things you can do again uh, I think maybe there's seven different muscles probably even more than that that are in there But there has been work over the last bunch of years where they're actually taking the eye off So that's gonna be if you think about your ribeye and you have your your eye muscle your your LD They call it the longissimus uh, dorsi. That's that center eye of that ribeye that's going to roll into that eye and so is the spinalis and which is you know that top cap off the rib eye amazing well that runs into also your chuck so if you actually take through the seam the eye think about it it's just more this rounder portion that comes off of i think it would be the um the bottom side there yeah no actually it's uh, the the top side You get that off, and you might see that netted sometimes in a a retail store. Um, That's going to be a great piece of meat, but as you get towards that neck end, it starts to get uh, tougher and and better for braising, whether you were to do some type of uh, roast out of that um, or maybe even like a braised steak if you wanted to. But when you get back to the rib side, this is where you can cut probably three or four pretty thick, steaks. And in some cases, you know, there's arguments all around, uh, you know, the U.S. most of uh, the time about where there's a dumb Monaco steak come from. But some people will say that's where that comes from, or it's a poor man's ribeye, or we call it a chuck eye steak. That, that's going to be those first few steaks that come off of that chuck eye. Again, as you get further towards the neck, it be, it's not as uh, pleasurable to eat as a steak. You want to hit it with a braise. But then after you've you've taken that off, then you have the underblade roast. And that is pretty awesome too, you know. And and this is not something necessarily that you're going to find, you know, a a packing house selling. But you can cut this down yourself in the back of the restaurant. It's not that hard to do. But then you've got that underblade and you've got different cuts that are coming off of there. So, probably the one that's the best and the most popular would be the serratus ventralis. And this is, like, as it goes a little further down the animal, this is where, say, like, uh, some of your your short rib, um, or in the case of a chuck flat from us, comes from. It's a really marbled piece of meat that's rather tender, and it starts to make some turns as you're going up towards the neck. gets it's still tender but it's a little tougher to cut some steaks out of but pe- people refer to this as a Denver cut steak and that's again this is all coming from that big chuck roll and it, you you can do so many things with that you can braise it still if you choose you can cut it as a steak to grill uh, saute it smoke it it's just it's it's rather tender when i think about the tenderness it is probably the fourth most tender muscle—that's serratus ventralis—that's under there, and it's it's behind your spinalis, that top cap, and then also you have your uh, flat iron, which we'll talk about a little while later, and then of course your tenderloin. But a lot of a lot of the tender cuts do come from this chuck area. You just have to get in there with a knife and 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 take these uh, muscles out. Some are bigger than others, and and that's something that you have to think about. But there's just a lot going on, and of course, stew meat, right? So off of that bottom blade there, you also have um, rhomboidus, so that's the hump that you see on the animal, right? So that's really tough. You're going to want to use that for stew meat. Um, there's, there's a couple other muscles that you're, you're cleaning off of there too. Again, whether it's grind or stew, that's where that can go. So, so much going on, and you can do so many different things if you have the time and the labor. Um, but even if you were to just bring in whole chucks and break them down more simpler whether you're grinding them or again cutting them into you know quarters or or six and smoking those and making shredded beef out of that or braising them for a pot roast right you can call that whatever you want whether it's beer braised or you know if you wanted to put a little spin on it and, and think of more of your your asian flavors you can definitely get in there with your soys and and um Star and things like that to, to take it to a different flavor profile, and and of course, what are you going to do with that too? Whether you're making a plate out of it or you're cutting it into chunks and, and reheating it that way, um, or making tacos or, or for breakfast burritos. I mean, it's just endless what you can do with just that one piece of meat. You probably make a whole menu just on the on the chuck alone and have fifty different items that you can serve. And then next. If we go back to that uh, uh, serratus ventralis, we have what we call is a chuck flat. So here's this piece that we take off, and it's got some bones on it. So now we're getting a little bit more into, I would say, the arm area there, the arm section. I wish, you know, you, you can look it up, and uh, a little easier if you're looking on the inside of a split carcass to where this is coming from, but you've got, like, right above the brisket and all is, is where you've got these bones, and we're talking, let's see, the rib chuck break is between the fifth and the sixth, so this would be actually ribs two, three, four, five. Uh, this four-bone section that we get, and we, we take the, uh, the short ribs, Think about chuck short ribs, and then just just above those is where we make a cut and we get these chuck flats. And the chuck flat is something that is probably, oh, two-pound piece. Maybe it's an inch and a half thick by three to four inches wide. And then lengthwise, uh, let's say it's probably seven, maybe to eight inches long. And it's basically can be used as a short rib, boneless short rib, uh, it gets used a lot over in Asia. Uh, we take the bones off of it and we sell those separate, but this is um, an amazing piece of meat because again, it's that serratus that I talked about earlier, but as as we go further into the rib, it becomes even more tender, more marbled, Just just it's amazing the amount of flavor you have out of it. And it is great for braising. It is great for smoking. Uh, If you want to cut and butterfly it and create steaks, you know, when you're talking about a piece of meat that's highly marbled like sterling silver, you know, this, this is amazing cut to put out there and, and just throw in a grill and use it as a steak. But it also works great for stir fry. Um, if you wanted to cut it real thin and use it for like a hot pot or even if you wanted to weave it on a skewer, that would work great for satays. It's just a workhorse that's out there with tons of flavor. And again, coming out of that chuck, talked about it earlier, right? There's so much flavor going on. Again, that iron content's a little higher, which gives you those really nice beefy notes. I mentioned earlier that you take we take the bones off of the um, the chuck flat. Uh, we do sell a product that's called a beef chuck rib or another, we call them BBQs. I guess if you're looking for something snacky that's on the menu and you want to throw them on the smoker, uh, it's a great little product for that. If you want to use it for a fub bowl or anything that's just going to have a little bit of meat and some flavor, that's great. A little nice uh, four bones, four and a half bones actually, the way they cut that uh we do remove the the first bone off of the uh it's the boneless chuck flat anyway. So after that, you know, when you're going through the animal here, uh, you know, that's that's your your bigger part of your your chuck primal that we look at to get to the again, the chuck flat and so forth. What else comes from that area there is the Chuck short ribs. So you can get these bone in or boneless. So this is a, a four bone short rib Again second third fourth and fifth where when you look at like the really big short ribs that come from the plate uh, Rib short rib we'll call that um, or plate short rib. That's usually it's a three-bone short rib So those are the really long bones. These are a little bit shorter. Maybe it's a five-inch bone six-inch bone something like that, but it's four bones smaller bones too um, but really really, really nice and square cut the way that we have that. You can cut these English style, so you just cut in between the bones and you got a nice long bone there, or you could even run them if you have a saw, you can run that and split it in half, so you end up with two and a half inch sections right and you've seen these out there in uh, in multiple ways. The way that they get merchandised or put on on a plate, you could play around with that sizing again. If if you have a bandsaw or something like that, or if you want to hand cut them, you can do that. But then you also uh, you have the option here of making flanken style, and you can do the same thing with those plate short ribs. Cut them across, but there's only going to be three bones there. This will have four bones in it, and that's probably what you see more than anything in, in say like a grocery store. But you cut them thin, maybe. Quarter inch, a little bit more than a quarter inch, uh, and they're great for marinating and quickly thrown on a grill. Think Korean barbecue, really famous there. Um, but again, great, great product, great flavor. Just calling them short ribs is is another way, or you can call out that they're from from the chuck. That's you know, that's up to you on your menu if you want to do that. Also from that area there that's the arm section that we're talking about you got your 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 chuck short ribs bone in or boneless your chuck flat but then you also have your pectoral meat so think about your pecs right and this is going to be like right off of the brisket but still stays on the chuck you know they get worked a lot think about your own pecs you know this here's a muscle that's a little bit on the leaner side and it gets worked so it's a little bit on the tougher side But it's still a great cut of meat if you're going to take the time and, uh, you know, slice them thin, pound it out a little bit. Maybe you can do, um, let's see, some jerky out of it if you choose. You can braise it, again, a little leaner. So you just want to be careful when you go to braise that. Um, If you were into doing any type of, uh, you know, hand jacquarding or something like that, make it a little tender. That way that works really well. You can also... Slice it thin and do the velveting technique, you know, with the, the baking soda and all this makes it a little bit more tender for stir-fry. So something else to think about. I don't think too many people, I'm not sure if I'd call it a pectoral meat on the menu, but, you know, you can just call it Chuck. Chuck's got great name, goes with that, and people like that name when they see it on, on a menu in a restaurant. After that, we'll go to... I'll I'll hit up the lonely guy here which we call a chuck tender or in other ways you're going to hear called a mock tender or a scotch tender. There's lots of names out there for different cuts or, or for the same cut, multiple different names. You know, I, I like the mock tender a little bit better because you think about that word. It maybe look like the, the 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 shape of it a little bit and, and the length of it makes you think of, oh, this could be similar to a tenderloin, but it's not. There's some heavy connective tissue on there. It is not an item that I would consider to be tender, but if you were to bring this in and do a little of that outside uh, cleanup of that heavy connective tissue and then actually braise it, it actually makes a great eating experience. And, again, you're getting those great flavors that you get from the chuck section. But definitely not something that I would go and use and try to serve medium rare. Um, but think about it. If, if you are looking for that braise and, you know, you're looking for the right economical uh, cut, talk to your rep out there and say, hey, let me let me check out these, uh, you know, Scotties or mock tenders. Um chuck tenders, however, however they want to call them, and give them a shot and see how they smoke up even. They work out pretty good. Again, they need that, that moist heat cooking basically to slow and low for them to get tender and, uh, I guess, flavorful. And the last part that I'd like to talk about is what we call the shoulder clod section. So you can buy a whole shoulder clod the way it is. Um, you can get them where they're trimmed a little bit more. But as a whole, I think down in Texas, they smoke these a little bit, too. Um, you've got your, your whole chuck that I talked about smoking, right? And then you've got your clod. I personally like them both, but I think I would go with smoking a whole uh, chuck roll over a clod, to be honest. Because the clod's a little bit leaner, but there are sections of it that are better than others where it's not as lean on your, on your ends and all, uh, which I would then tend to use for stew meat if, if I was to take it and, and break it down. But within that shoulder clod, you have some pretty awesome cuts that come out of there. So we'll get into the terrace major. Sitting right there on, on the top side, or it's actually the underside, um, that's easy, that gets pulled off. We take them off most because there's plenty of people out there that want them, so you know, we fetch a little bit of a premium for that, but there's not a lot to the animal, right? So there's two of everything on the animal here, right? But that piece comes off it's probably 12 to 20 ounces, somewhere in there is about the size, a little bit of connective tissue on or silver skin on the outside, but now we're talking about I'd say the fifth or sixth most tender cut on the animal, And they're just small. They look great. They call it a petite tender or the terrace major. It's got great texture. If you're talking about something like sterling silver beef, it's going to have a little marbling that's going on in there for flavor. Love it, love it, love it for medallions. Love it just on a grill. You can sous vide those all day long and just give them a quick sear just to finish and slice. Um, They make amazing carpaccio love to use it for that and you know when you think about tenderloin carpaccio it's pretty expensive to something here that's a lot uh, more economical so that's definitely worth looking at whether you sear it or not it is a great cut for that next would be the top blade and a lot of people might not know what the top blade is but that also that sits right there right off of the blade bone basically on the animal but it's really close to the terrace major this would be called the infraspinatus, and this is where the flat iron comes from. But as a whole, it's called a blade roast, or a top blade. This cut, I love it as is, even though we're talking about the second most tender muscle on the animal. But that's after you break it down into that flat iron. And there's a lot of work that goes into that. But let's just talk about it as a top blade. You've got some heavy connective tissue on the outside, silver skin. If you clean that up, and you would actually cut these across, you're gonna have a huge, I say huge, it's pretty thick connective tissue in the middle of these two beautiful fillets. Well, that stuff you're not gonna chew through unless you break it down in a braise. This is actually a great braising item. I would consider it to be a higher end braising item because the What's the word I'm looking for here? The, that indulgence that you get uh, almost lip smacking from from the um, breakdown of the, the collagen and, and you know that gelatin and all just starts to get a little sticky. Um, it, to me, that's like an indulgence. You get that in like a beef cheek or something too, right or even parts of your uh, your chuck roll when you when you braise it. That to me is what I look for when I have like a really, really good pot roast. And that's something that you can think about doing, right? So just taking that item as is, getting that whole top blade, cleaning it up, slicing it across, and doing some braise out of that. You can braise it whole, too, if you want. Or if you want to get in there and and almost think about filleting it like a fish and fillet that top muscle off and then take the bottom one off, it takes a little time to get good at it. But if you get good at it, you're probably going to yield, oh, Let's just call it 58, 60%. Yes, there is a lot of loss when you're going for a flat iron. That's why they're not cheap. Until you get there, though, you're probably going to be in the 40s because it's not the easiest thing in the world. It takes time, but eventually you get better and better at it. But then you get to the flat iron. Flat iron is extremely tender, and we know a lot of people that's what they want. Like those that go for a tenderloin, they want tender a little bit more irony than some other cuts and that's okay for some maybe not for others but again if you want to put the time in there make sure that you get and understand your yields so you're going to get the right price for it because you're when you're yielding you know 50% 60% you, you got to make sure cuz your price just went up a lot but well worth it if that's something you feel like you're going to get enough for and and you know whether you marinate it or you smoke it it's salad toppers, um, just as, as, a, as a really tender steak to go with breakfast in the morning. I mean, there's so many different things you can do. Uh, that's, that's up to you. But again, that top blade turns into the flat iron. It's unfortunate that it gets called a flat iron when it's in that top blade form. It really isn't yet until you put a lot of that work into it. And you can understand, right, with those yields, that's why it's not always sold that way because someone else doesn't want to take the loss on that. Then after those two come off, now we've got this, you know, still big chunk of meat here that's probably, oh, let's say 12 to 15 pounds. Well, there is what we call the clod heart inside of that. And that's going to make up, oh, probably 60 to 70 percent of what's left over. uh, And that's a great piece of meat. So let's just say we trim off, get around the edges, all the rest of that becomes either grind or stew meat. Now we've got this clod heart. Clean off the outside of it. This is where, if you're not familiar, a ranch steak comes from. Uh, there's probably multiple other names, too. But it's it's on the leaner side, but it's rather tender. And I think it's a great eating steak. Now there is a piece of connective tissue that does run a little sideways throughout almost the whole uh, roast there. It's not the end of the world if you were to leave it in. But you can get good at it and and actually trim that piece out and get rid of it, you know, so that's up to you with your, with your customers. You know what their expectation is. If we're talking a little bit of a finer high, high dining restaurant, you're going to want to remove that connective tissue for your steaks. Or if you're somewhere where, hey, you know what, they're, I'm not charging them a lot, they're not expecting to, you know, have a filet experience, then having a little bit of that chewy grizzle in there is it's okay and it's fine because it's not... That much to where I would consider it to be a detriment to the overall experience. But again, on the leaner side, but on the tender side, and and again, you can roast it whole. You can even roast it whole and and you know make it for like roast beef if you wanted to, and slice it on a slicer. And if you're slicing it thin enough, that connective tissue is gonna not even be an issue. That's basically the animal when it, when you look at the chuck. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think understanding that this animal has so much to give, so many different experiences, of course, different nuances with flavor and texture on how you cook it. And it's, it's worth exploring if you have the time to try something a little different. You know, we may just only use certain cuts, and that's what we've always done. Well, there might be something else out there that offers up just something different, whether it's a cost savings, or it's a texture that you'd prefer, or it's a better yield. Whatever that might be, you take a look at some of these other cuts. If you haven't used it, your, uh, your answers might be in something different. So after going through the multiple cuts that you can get out of the whole Chuck Primal... I just want to highlight one. I mean, I can highlight all of them, but one of them is a standout to me, and, and that's going to be the chuck short ribs. It's just one of those things that I think people know what a short rib is, whether they eat them all the time or they've had them. It's just To me, it's like, oh, short ribs, you know, immediately what comes to mind is this is like the best pot roast I've ever had. Now, I talked about it earlier, and I'll bring it up again. It is more to it than that. There's so many different things you can do with that. But when you think of a high-level dining experience and you see short ribs on the menu, you're talking indulgence. It's it's grandma's pot roast on steroids, you know, usually red wine braised, uh, you know, not just re- regular mashed potatoes. Maybe there's some celery act puree with that. And, I mean, it's just taken to a level that's above, you know, Sunday's, Afternoon's pot roast. So there's again, I mentioned the chuck short ribs. You can get them bone in or boneless. Going to be your four bones on the chuck versus three bones on that bigger rib short rib. And this is going to be, I can't remember the exact size, maybe five inches, six inches in length each bone. Um, you can cut them whether you do it English style, which is single bone. Or you do flankin style, which is a cross cut, and you'll have all four bones in there. Understanding the best way to cook these, it's it's fairly simple actually. You know, just like any other braise, it's gonna probably take uh, two and a half, three hours to cook them if you're gonna braise them that way. Uh, but these are awesome if you haven't tried it. Sous vide. I think uh, Chef Thomas Keller did the 72-hour sous vide, so it's like at 100 and. 35, 140 degrees, I believe it is, for 72 hours. Oh, my God, it's amazing. They're just a completely different experience. They have a little bit more of a medium-rare look, but they eat like you've had, uh, you know, bray something. It's not brown, though. Um, I love them on a smoker. They're amazing, and you can just take those and just let them smoke for seven, eight hours until they're nice and tender. Of course, they're going to pull back a little bit on the bone, which gives you that nice plate presentation because you see that little piece coming off or it could almost be like a handle Um, again just flavor wise you can basically put any flavor profile on them if you're doing them for a quick marinade just about any marinade's going to go well on those. In and out of a grill or a hot pan really fast. Uh, this is like, uh, I would think of it like squid or something along those lines, or octopus. You know, it's, it's five minutes or, or, or five hours. I mean, I know it's not going to take five hours, but if you're going to braise it, it's going to be a quick cook for a grill, and then three, four hours, nice, slow braise to make it tender. And I mentioned again, just real quick, shredding short ribs. I mean, you take a small amount of that shred, put it on a taco, put it in a breakfast burrito, whatever, you've, you've just amped up that whole experience and, and the expectation from the guest too, right? There's gonna be a little bit more indulgence than just shredded beef that's on there, right? Shredded beef taco versus a shredded short rib taco. It's gonna get you a little bit more money from, from the customer and, uh, you know, and, the, and the experience. You, know, you have a little bit more indulgence, you could probably give a little bit less beef, but still have that overall great eating experience on the other end. So, again, that's just a, one of those cuts that I wanted to highlight a little bit more. Love it to death. I'm sure most of you do, too. It's just something to think about. Um, if you haven't had short ribs on the menu in a while, you might want to look into bringing them back. They do, uh, they do really well, and, and most consumers uh, look at it as something that's high-end. So that's an in-depth look at the nuts and bolts of the Chuck Primal. We hope you enjoyed it. Our next episode, we're going to welcome Chef Dave Kuntz to the podcast. He's currently the executive chef at The Roost in Durango, Colorado, and a Sterling Silver Signature Chef. Plus, he was recently named the 2021 Colorado Chef of the Year. He's going to give us some best practices on cooking with these cuts, as well as some creative ways to bring them to life on your menus. You'll want to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on that. In closing, thank you for joining us on In the Kitchen with Sterling Silver. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to slice into the amazing world of beef. Until then, happy eating. To get the next episode delivered to your inbox, subscribe on our website, sterlingsilvermeats.com. Just sign up for our e-newsletter at the top of the page. You can also subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. And be sure to follow at Premium Meats on Instagram. Until next time... We'll see you in the kitchen with Sterling Silver Premium Meats.